hello and welcome to Total Reboot's new releases, reviews of movies currently available to see for the very first time. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos and joining me as always is my co-host Cameron James. How are you going? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the show that we host together. And uh, and also, I'm excited because, uh, you know, we've been wanting to do this type of thing for a little while now, to talk about movies that are just coming out in cinema or on streaming. We haven't had much of an opportunity to do that on the show so far, but we're branching out. Yeah, we're trying something new. We want to experiment with talking about new movies again for quite some time, like you said, dude. And uh, the one that we're going to be talking about today was one that we thought we had to kick things off with. Yeah. So we're going to try out this as a new format, maybe release a couple of episodes a week for the next little while. So let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and all that stuff, and in the Facebook group if you're a Patreon subscriber, and let us know what you think about us doing some new release reviews as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the movie we're discussing today is a hotly anticipated cinematic release, a movie that I think could possibly heal cinemas and heal the freaking world. The movie is Jeff Tremaine's Jackass Forever. 20 years later, we're still doing the same stupid... Uh. If they trust us to go to the bathroom, they're less intelligent than I thought. Did you ever think that we would be getting a 20 years later sequel to Jackass? I mean, first of all, did you ever think that the TV show would become a movie and then that movie would become a franchise and that that franchise would become more than just a series of dick jokes and like and stunts gone wrong? It's become kind of like a commentary on 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 love. On my, on friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're spot on here, Cam. Because I think this is one of the most unlikely cinematic tales of transcendence. Where something has transcended from, I would say, even less than humble origins. <laughs> to becoming something meaningful and impactful and truly cinematic in like the most filmic sense because we watch these films, we watch these guys uh, come back 20 years since they first started doing the most insane pranks and stunts, hurting and maiming themselves for our entertainment. To come back 20 years later, there's so much like implied meaning that we put onto them or that we read from them that is so special, right? Yeah, it's so true. And, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit after we left the cinema yesterday, which was, we were sort of saying, how much are we reading into Jackass and how much Mm -hmm. is intentionally in it from them? And uh, since we left the cinema, I've listened to a couple of Steve-O podcasts. Mm. He has his podcast, Wild Ride, which I've checked out. And a couple of interviews with Johnny Knoxville. He's been doing the podcast circuit Um, in promo mode for this movie. And I think that it's there on purpose. I think that Mm. they've, over over the years, they've come to realize that what they represent is more than just um, slapping each other in the face with a dead fish or, you know, shaving bits of hair off each other's head (laughs) or whatever. Like, they've come to understand that they represent a certain type of male um, bonding or whatever, like camaraderie that is... I guess, um, aspirational in some way for like certain types of dudes. And they just, they own that and they love that. And that's what, that's what their message is now. It's that like, you can, love can overcome anything. It can overcome the most cruel, 
bullying and torture that you've ever <laughs> witnessed. It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty wild. It's so wild. And I think it's like so interesting because this is truly now a fourth film in a franchise um, that you said, like, as you've said, it's started as a TV series. It's so impossible to at all look at this as a singular film in a vacuum. You have Mm. to like, you can only bring to this film your entire experience with the entire franchise. Yeah. And I think what excited me most about this movie was just like, you know, how much I love Jackass 3. And Jackass 3 was like 10 years later and it was about aging and still like doing the crazy things that you did as a teen or you did as a younger man and how that like affects you now and like how your like close group of friends can like stick together. And this film kind of promised to be almost like a legacy sequel to this franchise where we've got like new cast members coming in. Some old cast members have left, you know, some have left this entire realm and, you know, our love and peace be with those people. Mm. Um, But I was so curious to find like how that would blend together and how this would like make a new, a new kind of jackass movie. How did you find that balance between young and old or how did you find that this film presented itself in that way? Well, uh, okay. So I love this idea of viewing it as a legacy sequel. That's one of those new genre types that you and I both find so funny and so interesting. That idea of, um, you know, like, 20 years down the line, the old guys get together, but there's also a bunch of new guys that are sort of younger models of the old guys. And we're, and we're shepherding the new blood into this like storied <laughs> legacy. We've seen it done in Star a very literal Wars. sense sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been done with all the big franchises, you know, Star Wars, The Matrix, all this kind of shit. And it's always, it's always like manipulative. To me, mm. I, I find it fun sometimes if it's done well, but it's always a manipulative thing where I don't quite feel like I'm I'm watching a real movie. I almost just mm. feel like someone's holding my hand and guiding me into the next trilogy or whatever. Yeah. But this, I think, is a bit different because we don't get younger models of the old cast. These are just new personalities. New, new danger freaks ready new, to join yeah, the ranks. Exactly, new danger freaks who just want to do it. Um, the closest <laughs> to a literal like uh, one for one is Zach Holmes, one of the new guys who's mm-hmm. just like probably, I guess he looks the most like Preston. Mm-hmm. That's probably <laughs> the, only, the only literal one for one that you could go for. Yeah, and he's also like a literal like a little ascendant to the throne because he grew up watching Jackass. Mm. He's been making videos of him doing similar stunts to Jackass under the name Zackass on all over like Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and YouTube and stuff. Um, I think like one of the strengths to this is like, it doesn't feel like a passing of the torch. No. Because, no. I mean, it is real. These are documentaries um, yep. in the most mucked up kind of way. Mm. But it is more about like expressing that joy 
of egging each other on to do these things and having these new people in there kind of reignites the joy for everyone as we can see it like happening and unfolding on our screens that it doesn't feel like a passing of the torch it just feels like an opening up of the family an opening up of the franchise to allowing you know people like morons just like you and i to I to kind of join the jackass family we could be in the we could be in jackass five ever if we really oh, um fuck our bodies up over the next year or so yeah let's do one prank on each other to see if they'll <laughs> if they'll notice us and get us in there because it's um i think that's so smart of them to to not introduce um like hey this guy's the new steve-o mm-hmm. or this guy's the new pontius and especially my big concern going in was that they were going to have someone as like the stand-in younger model johnny knoxville and yep. i was so happy to watch it and realize that no one has stepped up to take his place because he's just he's he's one of a kind like you can't he's, you can't replace he, him he's truly a singular talent right like he yeah. has i've made this comparison before and i felt psycho every single time i've said it out loud <laughs> over probably the last 20 years of my life he really has all like the charm charisma and dare I say, perhaps even the talent of someone like a Jack Nicholson. And I've always thought he was like Jack Nicholson. P- put him in a biopic playing Jack. I would love to see it. <laughs> but I've always felt like that kind of same grinning, uh, you know, in Australian terms, a larrikin energy, this playboy, de- devil may care kind of guy. And uh, he is probably the best host that this could ever possibly have i think he's irreplaceable and i think he shines even brighter in this movie than he has in any of the others mainly because the guy is even more beautiful with gray hair yeah i was saying to my wife the other day that there's a certain tipping point in a man's life and it happens around 50 51 Mm -hmm. when um, especially Hollywood guys, I'm mainly talking about. Yeah, so guys I'm that have been talking about your Josh yeah, I'm not talking about like just everyday dipshits on the street. I'm talking <laughs> about guys in Hollywood that have been dying their hair for mm. a number of years, and when they hit 50, that hair dye starts to look a little faker than normal. That hair mm. dye starts to look a little too dark for the yeah. rest of their body and their skin. Or and too then, light, where you can kind of see through into and their head. And you're like, what is stuff? happening to this guy's head? So to see a man like Johnny Knoxville, who's like, you know, this impish, um, like poster boy for forever being forever young, mm. to see him like let go of the hair dye and just turn silver, it's it has this during du- the movie. During it happens the movie. like halfway through the movie. There's like it has a double impact for you where you kind of go, oh my god, like the aging pro I just witnessed the aging process, but also I just witnessed a guy totally relax into who he actually is. And that's just that just makes them even more charismatic to me. To see mm. a guy go full silver, I'm like, oh, this guy gets it. He rules. Yeah. He knows who I- he is. <laughs> I think one of the other things I really appreciate about this movie is I have always appreciated that the, almost the like most uh, the most like boundary pushing stuff that these guys do that you know these guys that like get tackled by bulls do like maim their bodies break their bones kind of the most 
edgy thing that they've done that has been the most welcome thing for me is like they've never ever shied away to like the genuine homoeroticism of male friendships and the activities that they do and i think it's like never been more clear and more friendly and even as sweet as it is in this movie and this is the most penis heavy of all their films <laughs> yeah this is the year of the dick this is i've seen so many dicks on screen in the last <laughs> 12 months and this this is no exception i got my quota is filled from this movie mm. alone well i've just started to tick those boxes myself but uh... <laughs> it's like uh it's pretty fun because like i've always i think it's a, a part of the franchise i've always loved ever since it was mm. an mtv show and i was a kid and I'd watch it. My friends would watch it. And we would do these lame, you know, attempts at copying jackass around our school and around town and stuff. We never did anything too crazy. It was always like um, trip, like you'd trip over in public and, you know, like mm. see if people would help you up. Or you guys are psychos. Fall downstairs. Or oh, like, my God. You know, obviously, shopping trolley um Good Lord. I rides. hope you guys had some public liability insurance We absolutely did not. Uh, or mainly, like, the thing that really I loved to do so much back then was more in line with that bad grandpa style where mm. it's like you're doing a scene in public <laughs> and no one else knows that there's oh, a scene God. taking place. I would love a 13-year-old like Irving Zisman played by a young <laughs> yes. new cat, another caster in Cameron James. So it would be like me and my friend Ben would um, be like in the shops and then we'd start having an argument over something and then start pushing each other and see if people would come and break it up. And we'd film it and it was so lame and it always looked so bad. But the element of it that it's the reason that you try to imitate it when you're that young is that you see how much fun they're having on screen mm. with each other. And it is truly like you watch it and you think, I, I wish I was having that much fun. I wish yeah. I was with my friends and we were all laughing that much. I said this yesterday after we left the cinema. Um, I said that like, you know, one of the most amazing like bits of kismet that comes together to make this such a great franchise is obviously the stunts are fantastic to watch and the pranks are hilarious to watch. But the only thing better than watching them is when the camera cuts away to Johnny and Steve-O and Dave England sitting on the lounge or sitting next to the camera laughing their asses off. Seeing Spike Jones in the corner of the screen covering mm -hmm. his face or Jeff Tremaine laughing so much that he farts or Lance Bangs throwing up in the corner. Mm -hmm. All of that <laughs> stuff is, is even better than the stunts. It's just like watching people genuinely crack each other up. And I, I truly think Johnny Knoxville's laugh is one of the great special effects of cinema. Yeah. I, I have to agree. I've never thought about that before, but his laugh, his smile, his like joy in all of it is what increases the entire value of this in any kind of sense. Yeah, I was, uh, we, uh, you know, not to get too Hollywood on this um, yes, podcast. We must get, but we must, it is the realm of Hollywood yes, we are discussing. Yeah. To get a little bit show busy, you and I, we went to the movies yesterday to see it and we had a good little crew of um, mm -hmm. people with us. 
two dangerous filmmakers of our own yes, friendships. That's true. We brought two filmmakers along with us. Uh, Henry Stone, fantastic comedy filmmaker and a good and, buddy of ours. And deeply inspired by the Jackass crew. Yeah, couldn't be more inspired by them. And, uh, and Nash Edgerton, who's a fantastic filmmaker and stuntman, came and watched the movie with us as well. And uh, Nash was saying after the show that he remembers... Johnny Knoxville before Jackass because when he went to Los Angeles to shoot a music video or something in 1999, so before the series, Mm. um, and he was known as a stunt guy. He'd done a lot of stunt work at this time. Everyone, everywhere he went, people kept saying to him, you got to see this video. And they kept handing him that iconic, legendary, handmade VHS of Johnny Knoxville doing the stun gun test on himself and mm. shooting himself with the 38. And so Nash is like, I remember seeing him like way before he was famous, but everyone talked about him. And it wasn't just like, I mean, this couldn't just be anyone who gets famous from shooting mm. himself with a gun. Like it's, if if you saw like regular Joe dipshit on the street yeah. do that, you'd be like, oh, okay, what a fruit loop. God, that's a regular Joe dipshit. What a Joe dipshit. <laughs> we can't get this guy on TV. But there's something about Johnny, like he has this movie star charisma that you were talking about earlier that made people want to back him. And it's the reason mm. that he's still getting these movies made all these years later. He just has something. It's, I think I'm in love with him. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's pretty fucking crazy. It's pretty freaking awesome. I can't stop smiling when I think about him. What's that all about? We're about halfway through the podcast at this point. I think it's time we start talking about the set pieces because that is what Jackass Forever is all about. It's what the Jackass franchise is all about. It's about putting together unimaginable comedic set pieces uh, that I would say one of the highlights of this movie is that there are a few that feel like elevations of some iconic uh, set pieces from the past, some iconic stunts from the past. Mm. And there are a few that feel still completely capturing of new bursts of imagination. What were some of your highlights uh, of the your favorite set pieces in this new entry? You've already mentioned this... Uh, this... <laughs> outing was the most dick heavy of um the jackass outings so far there's a lot of dick and ball torture going on in this movie and i thought about that afterwards i think i i I think the reason they did that is because they're all 50 plus Mm. so they can't they literally cannot afford to break bones (laughs) and get concussions anymore and so this is the only option for a lot of them is like, all right, mm. I'll let you put bees all over my ball bag. Or <laughs> as long as I don't have to run or move As long anymore. as I don't have to fuck my joints up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and obviously like some of them still do. Like famously, mm-hmm. Johnny's big ball thing has been uh, part of the press run up for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, okay. Um, for me, what, st- what stood out this time around was Danger Aaron, who... Mm. Has, as far as I'm aware, in my experience watching this show, has always been kind of a side character, you know? And when he's popped up, he's usually been the subject of bullying or the butt of the joke. I think often, um, and he's talked about this in the past, quite literally, he has at times felt it was bullying. Um, 
And I think they've made their own peace with that over the last 10 years and they've all kind of come closer as friends. This time around, he really steps up to be one of the main three cast members of this movie. I think it's really beautiful to see a guy that was on the out and kind of felt that he was on the out, you know, copying bullying from Bam and whatnot. And now he gets the biggest set pieces of the movie. They're his. It's crazy that he's a breakout star 20 years yeah. after the franchise has been going and he's been in it almost the entire time. And it just goes to show like the fearlessness of the guy, like that he's mm. as old as them, but he's willing to put his body on the line. So you mentioned earlier an elevation of past stunts. One of the most mm-hmm. literal ones of that is the cup test from the Jackass TV series. Danger Aaron does an updated version of that this time around that went for maybe 20 minutes in the middle of the movie. <laughs> and yeah. it was... It was like breathtakingly funny. I couldn't, mm. I couldn't believe it. I was laughing so much. This is basically a test that is checking out the safety capabilities of sports equipment. The cup that cradles your frankenbeans to protect them from a stray softball or baseball hitting them. And they really put it to the test. They get an MMA fighter who... <laughs> technically has the hardest punch a person's ever thrown in the history of mankind to punch his balls. And then later on, it's revealed that the steel cap of the actual cup is dented because of how hard he punches oh, it. Hectic. I think hectic. the, I think the real re like the real power of D- danger Aaron and why it translates so well to putting him into a leading position in this film uh like get him getting that promotion is because it's i think it's not the fearlessness of him i think it's the true bravery of him because he expresses fear and the torture that he's going through unlike any of the other guys no one looks more scared no one looks more in danger in the face of like the evil that his friends are putting him through uh and no and no one expresses like the hauntingness of like why the frick am i doing this at like you know 50 years of age now yeah. uh than him like he yeah. captures like the reality of it all that us as viewers can imprint ourselves on going like oh yeah that's I guess if I was in that situation, which I pray I never will be, I guess that's about how I'd feel. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. Like, you know, some of the guys that play it a bit cooler, like, you know, like Johnny, like Bam in the past, or like Chris Pontius, who looks like nothing has ever hurt or embarrassed him in his entire Mm -hmm. life. They're fun to watch because it's like, it's like watching a cartoon. You just like... Like, it's like watching Tom and Jerry. Like, he'll fall down and get back up again and still have a smile on his face. And you're like, oh, cool, it didn't hurt. But with Aaron, you see every bit of emotion on his face, every bit of pain that he's going through. And it's, like, exhilarating to watch. Dave England, very similar. Oh, I um, love Dave England. Uh, he, he, I've always liked him, but he got a full-on upgrade for me in this movie. <laughs> well, I think it's like, I don't know if it's just because we've been watching this stuff for two decades or maybe we're getting older, but now I'm finding the joy in watching these guys' faces who are just a little bit more real in the way that they express what they're going through. Um, but there's another Danger Aaron set piece that we... It's featured in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, but I think it's worth mentioning. And and to me, it's not even the funniest part in the movie, but it will probably be the most memorable, which is the bear prank. 
mm. where he's tied to a chair covered in honey and salmon and a wild bear from the zoo or something. Well, pray, pray it's not <laughs> actually a wild bear. I think it's got a handler with them. There is a handler there, but the bear is let loose to kind of sniff and eat the salmon off his body and lick the honey from his face and whatnot. I've never seen a more genuinely scared face in all my years of watching faces on the big screen. It was truly remarkable. Yeah. It's 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 powerful moment. It's a powerful moment in this movie because I think it's like truly the most scared this guy's ever been in his life. Yeah, and you're not even laughing, but you're like riveted. It's like watching a documentary because it's truly like it's Grizzly Man or some shit. It's really yeah. scary stuff. There's another set piece that I really, really loved. And it's the one that's kind of sat with me the most over the last day. Uh, because I think it is genuinely imaginative and cinematically pulled off. Which is a prank on both cast members, new and old, coming together. Uh, it's called The Silence of the Lambs, this prank. Mm. Where they believe they're going to be in a room with a rattlesnake, but they don't know. Like, it's not. It's just as the thing is being set up. And then the lights suddenly go completely pitch black. And then there's people, other people in the room with them, just throwing like soft toys at them. And then they open a tub. They hear the fall of this tub that is containing the rattlesnake. It falls, and then there's sound of the rattlesnake. But there's no rattlesnake in there. And you're just seeing the absolute fear of these people in the complete darkness as they try to like squirm around for safety. And Chris Pontius has truly a magnificent cameo in this that I don't want to spoil for the listeners. Uh, but I thought that was truly like an. A genuinely piece of genius set piece making <laughs> that was almost harmless. Then it evolves into being one of the more harmful ones of the yeah. entire episode. It becomes Home Alone. It was so yeah. funny just watching how watching how it escalated into like real life cartoon slapstick. It was so good. Did anything else really stand out at you as um like hilarious or heartwarming? What what grabbed you in this uh. movie? There's one in here as well that I I could not fathom how a mind could come up with, which is a beautiful Chris Pontius piece where he f- flattens his penis between two pieces of perspex and then does like a string ball paddle, makes a string ball paddle game out of it, where he's just <laughs> bouncing a ball with his f- completely flat as a pancake penis <laughs> between two pieces of clear perspex. I don't yeah. know the body could do that. I've been saying this for a little while now, but I really think like between Johnny Spike and Jeff Tremaine, these guys are some of the most visually inventive people on the planet. Mm -hmm. And they've managed to create real life cartoons on the big screen. And it's like special. There's certain images in this movie like that or the fist punching a skateboarder or Johnny being shot out of a cannon while wearing angel wings that I... Mm. I just think like are some of the most amazing images I've seen on the big screen in like a decade, maybe. Mm. I would even go as far to say that this is one of the best times I've had in the cinema since seeing Jackass 3D a decade ago. Yeah, easily. I I can't think of another movie I've laughed as hard at. Even like amazing comedies that are perfectly well-crafted, like Barb and Star or something like Mm -hmm. that. They're so funny, but this is a different type of laugh. It's it's 
it's I mean you're watching people's lives on the line it feels like it's it's the stakes are so high it's completely primal right it's totally primal and totally primary school as well <laughs> Cam it's safe to say you love this movie do you have any final thoughts and perhaps even a star rating for us my final thoughts would be go see this movie in the cinema my one of my life's biggest regrets is that I did not see Jackass 3D in the cinema. I would give anything to go back in time and see Chris Pontius's dong in 3D coming right at my face. <laughs> so I think go see this movie on the big screen and bring some buddies and just like experience that convulsive uncontrollable primal laughter because it's something that you don't really get to experience that often. And yeah, I'm going to give it a star rating. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time since I've given anything a star rating. Yeah. You know what the last star rating I gave ever officially was? Um, Can I guess using my history of you as (laughs) the early tool in my belt? Yes. Is it the movie that you gave two stars to and the movie was two guns? Yeah. Uh, A Denzel Washington, Mark Wahlberg action movie that you reviewed for a publication that you did not even see and you just guessed it about two stars. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, I couldn't make the screenings (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) So I just watched the trailer a couple of times and then I came up with the tagline, two guns, more like two stars. And I wrote the review based around that. And then uh, about six months later, I finally caught two guns and I really liked it. It's actually a four star movie for me. (laughs) And what is your star rating for Jackass Forever? (laughs) All right, two guns. I I probably wouldn't actually give two guns four stars, but you know what? I will give Jackass Forever four stars. Wow, I think it's four out of five. I'm going to give it four out of five. Uh, I think it's a blast. I enjoyed myself so much. It's hard to give anything a hard five. Mm. And maybe the reason that it's not quite getting that hard five for me is because I do feel like we are lacking something by not having Bam Margera in, uh, in the series anymore. And that's very sad. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotions associated with that. Uh, and I hope that he's God, doing Cam's well. Cam's crying. I'm having a little tear up. I hope that Bam's doing okay. I, I just think he's yeah. a crazy, fun talent, and I want him back yeah. on it. I want him back for Jackass 5 ever. Yeah, I hope so. I hope he's there with us on Jackass 5 ever. <laughs> what about you? I think I would have to ditto much of what you say. I, I really, really loved this. I had such a swell time. Like, I was losing my mind in the cinema, and that so very rarely happens, mm-hmm. where I feel so unbridled with, like, laughing, gasping, curling my body in contortions and different positions to just maintain some kind of composure to make it my way through so many of the most visceral things I've ever seen this crew do. Um I, I I love these movies. I like I said, I think they transcend. I think they start as movies, they end as films, and hopefully they don't end. I want them to continue every twenty years to make more of these movies. <laughs> when they're in I, their seventies and <laughs> Oh god, when we don't need makeup for Johnny Knoxville to play Irving Zisman, that is a dream for me. Um I have to echo what you say, and I'm gonna also give this four out of five stars. I think this is a must watch movie. 
And I'm going to put a little asterisk, which looks like a star, but is not a star, to my four-star rating. It also looks like a like an anus. It looks a bit like a sphincter as well. It, it totally does. And it's open to the human mind and eye to interpret what the asterisk means. But I put that asterisk there and say that this could go higher for me on further watches mm. because... I love those other films and I feel like I'm tempering some recency bias because I'm just like, this might be my favorite one. I haven't said those words out loud before. This might be my favorite one. But if I go ahead and watch all of them and their supplementary 0.5 films as well, mm-hmm. this could go up even higher than that four out of five. Yeah, that's the thing about them because they all escalate in like quality and mm. quality of performance and tone it adds something to all of them when you see them as a whole. I mean, I, I, as I said... I, I and you do I, see that little asterisk as a whole a as well. You see a couple of holes. You see a couple of holes in this movie. But I've been re-watching, um, you know, the original three movies in the lead up to this. And then mm. after watching four yesterday, I re-watched three again when I got home. Far and I out. love, And it made me love three even more. Good Lord. I, I really hope, Criterion, if you're listening... Put together the freaking Blu-ray box set of oh the entire God. quadrilogy. That would be amazing. And MTV, if you're listening, can you please officially release all of the seasons instead of just that best of mm. seasons thing that you've got out there? I want to see every episode. I want, yeah, I don't care. Put billions of dollars. It's not my money. I'll pay for it, but yeah, I'll pay like twenty five dollars for it. But just spend yeah. billions of dollars putting that shit together for us. Getting all the music, finding yeah. all the rights, getting just people to sign release forms from like thirty eight years ago. It's just, just do it. That's all we're saying. Just do it. Well, we both highly recommend this movie, and I would say that it is a must-see in the cinema. Mm. I I really think that has, like, healing properties, this movie. I really deeply enjoyed it, and I cannot wait to see it again myself in the cinema. And there are 4DX uh, (laughs) screenings that I probably will be attending out of morbid curiosity. (laughs) Oh, God. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed our new... uh format here our new release thing we're we're keen to do a little more of these we want to talk about some of those flicks that are just coming out so if you're into it let us know and uh you know suggest some stuff you want to hear us talk about that's coming out soon yeah we can't wait to do some more let us know what you want us to review if you want to catch up for more from us in the meantime we're going to be releasing the main feed episodes on friday as usual with our millennium mind fuck mini series the next episode is all about David Lynch's 1999 classic Mulholland Drive. One of the most twisty, turny, mind-bending movies that have ever been made. Mm, yeah, you're going to love that one. That's a fun one to rewatch. And you can head over to patreon.com slash totalreboot to support us and get access to bonus content from us as well. In the meantime, talk to us on Twitter at and Instagram at this is Alexi for me and at I am Cameron James for the guy across the screen from me, Cameron James himself. And while you're at it, Book tickets to my comedy festival show that I'm touring around the country. Melbourne, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Perth, in theory, if you open up your borders. Mm. Uh, where else? Newcastle, Sydney. Oh, of course, I've got the a, hometown boy of returns. Of course, i got a new hour of comedy all about the time that I tried and failed to be a famous teenage rock star. And uh, I'd love you guys to come see it. It'll be a lot of fun. 
I've also got a brand new podcast with Jen Fricker starting on Tuesdays. It's for Netflix Australia and New Zealand. It's called Lived It. And it's a fun way. I'm really excited about this podcast. It's a fun way for us to start talking about TV shows and movies with a new perspective. We find people that have great yarns that kind of slot their way right into the same kind of things that are happening on the screen. So check that out. It's called Lived It. comes out on Tuesdays. Sick. Friends, moviegoers and cinephiles, goodbye from us unto you. See ya.